0: We'll turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 23. We're continuing of course our study of the nation of Israel and watching through the basically time the kings were focusing on King David and as you remember that we we go what we call expository preaching, we go right through the Bible and we started 1 Samuel and we saw Samuel and Saul who was the first king. We're in 2 Samuel and we're looking at the life of David. Let me put this up, David, when we think of King David, he was a man after God's own heart. He was a great king, he was a warrior, he was a writer of the Psalms. He was a leader, he was a king and the shepherd of Israel, And so that's what we've been seeing. When we look at David's life, there's some great things, and then there's some sad things. But uh, we look at his life, he's called a man after God's own heart. When you get to 2 Samuel 23, it actually says, these are the last words of David. My Bible has a little heading that says, David's last song. But when you look at the verse, it says, now, these are the last words of David. We're seeing this great this great man, a man with triumph and tragedy and, and uh, trouble as well. Uh, this morning, we're going to see something, and we're not going to read all the names, but we're going to see see, and starting at verse 8, because last week we did chapter 23, 1 through 7. We're going to look, beginning at verse 8, to the end of the chapter, we're going to see David's mighty men. We've been talking about them the whole time as we gone through the book. We talk about these men who fought with David who were there, and, and uh, we call them the mighty men, and they're men who gathered around David. David, when he was running from Saul... Gather these men around. They've been with him through the fact as the king and fighting and everything. They were used by God to gain victory by, for Israel, and we're gonna see that uh, they were pretty unique and special people. As we look at this passage, let me just throw a few things to think about. First of all, we have to realize that all victory is in Jesus Christ. For the Jewish people, when they were in fellowship with God and trusting God, they would always win the battles. When they weren't in fellowship with God, they lost the battles. We realize that if we're gonna have victory in the Christian life, it's gotta be in the power of Jesus Christ. And then the second thing is sacrifices. We're going to think about our works and our lives as sacrifices because in this passage, there's there's talking about a sacrifice, and we'll look at it. And then just a question to raise. Are we mighty servants for God? And it's really a challenge. This passage challenges us to be mighty men and mighty women for God. So there's some some great things there. As we start, I just say this, that, that you know, that one day, Each believer, every one of us, will stand before what we call the judgment seat of Christ. It's a rewarding stand. We'll stand to be rewarded for basically how we live this life. Now, that's not salvation. Salvation is a gift. It costs us absolutely nothing. We trust in Jesus Christ. We believe in him for eternal life. That's the gift. But rewards are earned. Second Corinthians five ten. we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be recompensed or rewarded for the things we've done in this body. So this passage deals with our standing before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded. Now, we've said we want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, that every one of us are going to stand there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says that day will reveal it will stand before him and it'll be in a sense tested by fire that's what he says first corinthians nine twenty four. paul says run the race so that you can get the prize philippians three fourteen says you pressed or he presses toward the mark of the high prize so we want to live in such a way that you'll hear him say well done And so the question we would be, as we think about our passage even, are we faithful servants for Jesus Christ? Are we? And this morning, we're going to see a list of faithful servants, really faithful servants of David. David's mighty men, but they were also faithful servants of God. They're soldiers who fought... And, 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 and in God's power, it gave the victory. Sometimes we could look at this and say, listen, this is, uh, when you get over here a little bit further, just a bunch of list of names. And so what does it really have to do with us? Well, number one, it encourages us because we see these were the mighty men uh, of God and the mighty men for David, but we want to be men and women who stand for God we want to be men and women who make a difference for Jesus Christ our world has fallen it's getting worse by the moment and we need to stand for what is right and stand for the truth and and we'll talk more about it as we go through we want to be men and women who live for Christ standing firm well as we look at this chapter 23 verse 1 we said it's David's last words it says now these are the last words of David David the son of Jesse Declares, and then David calls himself. He says, He was the man raised on high, the anointed of God, the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was the man that was taken from being a shepherd to being a king. He was anointed of God as the king, and he wrote all those songs. I mean, just amazing. But in this final chapter, or when this chapter, chapter 23, there are two things. Talks about the covenant that God made with David, and talks about the mighty men. So that's what this passage is about. We saw last week the covenant. If you look at verse five, it says this. Truly is not my house so with God, for he, God, has made an everlasting covenant with me. That's David speaking. So God made a covenant with David, and what the covenant was this. A descendant of David would sit on the throne... The king forever. Now that's the promise to King David. He lived a thousand years before Jesus. But the promise was, David, you will have a son that will never die. He will sit on the throne. He'll be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the Messiah and the Savior. And that's why when Jesus was on the earth, he was called the Son of David. And so God made a promise to David. And so we saw that in this passage. In fact, even last time we spent some time looking at the different covenants in the Bible that God made with the nation of Israel. And so a descendant of David would sit on the throne. From there, and by the way, Jesus came the first time, and he offered himself as the king to the nation of Israel. They rejected him. He died on the cross to pay for sin. He rose again, conquering death, ascending into heaven. One of these days, he's going to come get us, the church. And then another time, he's going to come to the earth, and he's going to come in Revelation 19, beginning at verse 11. He's going to come as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's going to set up a kingdom. First of all, a thousand years, and then a kingdom that will never end. That's the fulfillment of the promise to King David. Well, this morning, as we continue on, David talks about, or is listed in this passage, the mighty men of David, men that helped, fought with David and helped David. Now we're going to look at, there's three groups, and I'm going to explain some things to you. First of all, there are three great men, and then we're going to see two great men, and then we're going to see the listing of the mighty men. And we're not going to read all the names of the listing of the mighty men, but we're going to see them. So we start off and look at verse 8, and he says, these are the names of the mighty men whom David had. And it kind of stops there. And we're going to see in the first group, there are three famous soldiers. And let me just tell you something. David had a whole bunch of men that fought with him. There were men called mighty men. we're going to realize that there were about 37 of them. There's a, there was a group called the thirty. We'll talk about them. And then separate from the 30 was a group called the three, the three men. And they're, they're going to be the first ones we're going to talk about. So when you think about David's mighty men, there were 30 mighty men, and there were three that are even mightier. I mean, that's how you got to look at it. So let's look at, here's the first one, verse 8 says, these are the names of the mighty men who David had. Uh, Joshua Bash, Shabbat. and then he's, he's called the chief of the captains. He had another name called Adino he, because what did he do? Now, here he is. This is the first man, and he killed 800 men at one time. Now, you'd say, well, that's not possible. Well, anything's possible with God. Now, let me tell you, is this God's word or not? Do you hold to the Word of God or do you reject the Word of God? The Word of God says he killed 800 men. Notice it says, uh, because of 800 slain by him at one time. There had to be some kind of battle, something, and he killed 800 people. Now, that's pretty good. That would probably put you in the mighty men list. What do you think? I mean, so he's not only in the mighty men list, he's in the top three, okay? Three, and so he is an incredible man. And let me ask you something. You ever heard of this guy before? I've never heard of him before, not until the list. In fact, we're going to find that a lot of people on the list, we never heard of, but they're David's mighty men. And guess what? Some people are never heard, will never hear of you or me. But that doesn't mean God doesn't use us. That doesn't mean we might be mighty men and women for God just because because people don't know who you are. So we're going to see it. Here's this first guy. He killed 800 people. We'd say, wow, you are you're tough, you're tough. And then there's verse 9. After him was a guy named Eleazar, the son of Dodo Hite. one of the three, now here it is, the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines and were gathered there to battle, and the men of Israel had withdrawn. Now, here's this guy, his name is Eleazar, and he's going to fight with David, and it, apparently David and him and maybe somebody else were there, and everybody else ran off. And so it's just these two left, basically, in his hymn. And, and look what it says. It says, He arose and struck the Philistines until his hand was so weary and clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory. God always gives the victory. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. And then the people returned after him only to strip the slain. They didn't come back to fight. They came back to take all the, the spoils. So here's this guy, and he, he killed so many people. He fought so long that he couldn't put down his sword. Now, I, I'm not a... Physical type thing about work and stuff, but I remember one time I was helping this guy, and I I, I don't know whether I had a hoe or so or an axe or something, but I was doing something, and I mean I did it so much that I got to the end and I couldn't hardly I I couldn't hardly I, really, I, really, I don't know you've probably done this you men especially y'all have done stuff where you did it so long you couldn't pull your hand off. Well, this guy fought so long with his sword that when it was over he couldn't let go of the sword. That's what it says. It says that he couldn't he couldn't pull his hand off. You know that he brought about a great victory. He was so weary, whoever this guy was. I mean, just an amazing, fought so long. Then we got a third guy. Now, here's the third one. After him was Shema, the son of A.G. the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered into a troop where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. Now, we got this guy. His name is Shammah. And, uh, and they were at a, a, a field, and the Philistines were coming, and everybody else ran off. But, but look what he did. He took his stand in the midst of the plot, defended it, and struck the Philistines and the Lord. Once again, the Lord brought about a great victory. So this is the guy. He has a great victory. And everybody ran off except him, and he stood there, and he stood there, and he fought, and he he stood his ground, and he defended the ground, and he struck it, and God gave a great victory. Now, we are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle. We're to put on the armor of God so we can stand strong. For it says, put on the armor of God so that you can stand firm. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against wicked forces, of dark forces in heavenly places, evil. So therefore, put on the armor of God so that you may stand firm. That's what it says in Ephesians 6. And that's what we got to do. we got to put on the armor. Now, we're not going out to fight because the armor is defensive. And even these guys, it's defensive. And what you do is we put on the armor of God and it says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. Resist the devil, he will flee from us. So we put on our armor and we stand strong. We are in a spiritual battle. It's a fallen world. The culture is destroyed and being destroyed. Satan controls the fallen world system and we are in a battle. And sometimes we don't even realize we're in a battle. And so as these men stood and fought and got, God gave the victory, we're gonna have to stand and fight and God gives the victory. We've got, you, got to defend ourselves. We're in a fallen world. Well, so God gives the victory. So we got these three names. And these guys, we're going to see, they're called the three. The three. And they're, let's say it this way. They're, they're more famous than anybody else, and they've done greater things than all the rest of the mighty men. But then, as we continue in the passage, they're going to list three other people. Three unnamed men. Now, let me just say something. Some people believe that what we're fixing to read are the same three guys that were listed, but others say there's not. Now, I, when I look at the passage, I think maybe these are three different men. Here's why. If you notice, um, verse 13. Then three of the 30 chief men, well, see, they're not considered the 30. The three men we've already got listed, they're separate from the 30. So I think the next three we're going to see are unnamed people. We don't know who they are, but he's going to talk about what they did. Well, let's see what they did. And you might be surprised. Watch what happens. Then three of the chief of the 30 chief men went down and they came to David in the harvest time to the cave of Abdullam while the troop of the Philistines were camping in the valley of Rephidim. So here's David. David is, they're battling the Philistines. Philistines are out one place. They come down. These three men come to be with David and they're gonna go fight with David. So here's what happens. They're fighting and it says in verse 14, David was then in the stronghold while the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. Now, where was David born? What's David's hometown? Bethlehem. 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 that House, lamb, bread. Bethlehem means the house of bread. That's Hebrew. And so that's David's hometown. And so David's in one place, and the Philistines are in his hometown. And so there's a battle going on, and look what David says. Verse 15, David had a craving, (laughs) a craving. David had a craving and said, oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. Now David's there and and the fighting's going on and David says something like this, ah, I wish I had some water from my hometown. He's thinking back growing up and he says, you know, in Bethlehem, there's a well right there by the gate and that's probably the best water I've ever drank. That's my hometown water. And so they're in this battle and David looks at these three men and he says, wow, oh, I wish I had a drink from the well, from the water of the well that's in Bethlehem, my hometown. Now, where are the Philistines? They're in Bethlehem. So what's going to happen? What do you think's going to happen? Verse 16, so the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it. And brought it to David. I'm going to stop because there's more to the, to the verse. But I'll stop right there. So what happened? The three guys looked at each other and said, we're getting the water for David. See, let me tell you something. These guys will not only fight for David, they would die for David. He, they see David as their king. He's the leader. When we think about who do we represent? Who's our king? Jesus Christ. Will we live for him? You know, some people say, well, you die for Jesus. But My question is, will we live for him? And so that's the cat. And so here are these three guys. They go right through the, the, the army, basically, get in there, get to the well, get the water, get back through, and bring it to David. And you can see David going, Where have you been? We, think, we got this is the water from Bethlehem. We got it for you. You said you wanted a drink. Verse 16 So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem, which was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. What did David do? Nevertheless, He would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. I want you to think about this. They risked their lives to get the water for David. They're making a sacrifice, a sacrifice to God, a sacrifice for their leader, and when they come back with it, David takes it and says, oh, my gracious, I'm pouring this out to the Lord. He didn't drink it. You could think, wait a minute, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. We risked our lives. Are you going to pour it on the ground? No, it's a sacrifice. David says, I will not drink this. Verse 17, David says, be, be far from me, O Lord, that I should drink this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things three mighty men did. David said, I won't drink it. David, David speaks, these men showed loyalty to me, great honor to me. He said, I'm not gonna drink that which could have killed them. Well, what does he mean by that he pours it out? Well, see, pouring it out is a sacrifice. It's a special sacrifice. Their good works were poured out to God. In the Old Testament, you could offer a sacrifice, and you could go with the with with wine or anything, and you could pour it out, and it was symbolic of you saying, I give my life to God. I give it all to God. They went, and they got this to David, and David said, for what you've risked your lives, I pour this out as an offering to God, a sacrifice to God. And that's what he did. And, and they, they, they understood it. They didn't think, oh, he should have drank it. No, they're going, wow, this is amazing. I want you to think, let me, let me, let me, I'll put it up in just a second. I want you to think about sacrifices. Because, see, we, we live in a time when people say, well, we don't offer sacrifices. Well, we do. Uh, Jesus is the final sacrifice for sin forever, so we don't offer animal sacrifices, but the Bible tells us that we as believers offer sacrifices today. In Hebrews 13 verses 15 and 16, there are two sacrifices that he talks about. One is the sacrifice of praise, the other is the sacrifice of good works. Do you realize that when you sing those songs today, and you're lifting up your voice in praise and adoration to God, you are offering A sacrifice of praise to God. It's a sacrifice. Do you realize that when you do good works, when you help somebody out, when you do something, when you use your gifts, talents, and abilities, when you do something, you're offering up a sacrifice to God. It's a sacrifice of good works. That's what these guys did. They did a good thing. They went, got the water, and brought it back to David. It was a sacrifice of their good deed, and he poured it out as a sacrifice. By the way, there's another sacrifice we can do, and it's our lives. We've talked about this many times that we can offer our lives to Jesus Christ. Now, let me make it clear. This is not salvation. Everyone in this room understands that salvation is a gift. We believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. He died for us, he paid for our sins. Whenever we believe in him, he gives us the gift of eternal life, cost us nothing. This cost us. This is as a Christian, we sacrifice praise, we sacrifice good works, we sacrifice our lives. Romans 12 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices to God. So this is a way that you can worship Jesus Christ as you give him your life. Now, let me tell you, it's going to cost you. Salvation costs you absolutely nothing. It is a gift. This this idea right here costs you your life. You give him your life in sacrifice, and you say to God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. My life is for you take my life, use me for your glory. Now, scary because you give up your life and that's a sacrifice you can make. And so these guys made a sacrifice and David poured it out. So we don't know that these three guys, some say that they're the same three guys that he already listed in the middle of the first of the passage. But I think since they were part of the 30 and the other three are not part of the 30, uh, we just don't know who they are. Well, there's two more. Let me give you two more. Two more special men, 2 Samuel 23, verses 18 and 19. Look at verse 18. Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Jerua, was the chief of the 30. He was the chief of the 30. Now, we'll talk about who he is in just a minute. He swung his spear against 300 and killed them and had a name as well as the three. Now, we'll stop right there. Here's this guy by the name of Abishai. You know who he is? He's David's nephew. You remember, David had a sister. She had three sons, Ashel, Abishai, and Joab. Those three men were great warriors and fighters. They were David's nephews. They may have been older than David. You remember, David was the youngest in his family. And so these three men, you remember, got killed early in the book. He was chasing after a guy, and a guy killed him. Abishai has been with David from the very beginning. Wherever David went, Abishai was there. And you remember the other brother is Joab. Joab has been David's general, and and we'll talk more about Joab in a minute, but Joab sometimes does some really good things, and sometimes he does some really bad things. Well, listed right here as the head of the 30. Notice, Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zerah, was chief of the 30. And he swung his spear against 300 and killed them. Listen, he killed 300 men in a battle. But notice what this says. Let me read verse 18 carefully again. It says, he swung his spear against 300 and killed them. He had a name as well as the three. Now, remember the three? The three famous ones? It says, Abishai was just as famous as they were. Everybody knows what Abishai did. But notice the next verse. He was honored, most honored of the 30. Therefore... He was their commander. Wow. However, he did not obtain to the three. He wasn't in the top three. <laughs> you go, well, he to all those people. He's the leader. He's the, he didn't make the top three. You know, so the top three of these other three men, and they say, he's great, but he didn't obtain to the three. Think about it. He, he didn't. He didn't obtain to the three. So there's another one. We're going to see another person. Verse 20. Then Benaiah, the son of Joadiah, the son of a valiant man of Kebzeel, who had done mighty deeds. Now watch what he did. He killed the two sons of Ariel of Moab. He also went down and killed a lion in the middle of a pit on a snowy day. Now here's a guy by the name Benaiah. We're going to see this man again. he's 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 a valiant fighter, a great fighter. He killed the two men, two men, sons of Ariel. He killed a lion. He's a great fighter. You will see him again. In fact, as we get to the end of this book and start 1 Kings, you're going to see Beniah, and you're going to be amazed at who he is and what he does. He is a great warrior. Here's what it says. He did. He killed a lion. He killed these two people. and I mean, he's a great fighter, but there's more. Verse 21, he killed an Egyptian, an impressive man. Now, the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a club, snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand, and killed him with his own spear. So he killed an Egyptian, apparently a big Egyptian, somebody strong something because that was a big deal. And then notice what it says. These things Benaiah, the son of Joadiah, did, and he had a name as well as the three mighty men. He's just as famous as the three mighty men. He was honored among the 30. He's in the 30. He did not obtain to the three. He didn't make the three, the top three. And David appointed him over his guard. Wow. I mean, you you probably look into this and go, man, these must be some really powerful guys. He he was honored, but he didn't attain to the three. David appointed him over his guard. You're going to find out that this guy is going to become David's right-hand man toward the end, and he's going to be Solomon's right-hand man. We're going to see what this man does. Now, we're there, and if you get to verse 24, it says, Asshel, the brother of Joab, was among the 30, and then it starts listing a whole bunch of names. And if we said, let's read them, I, I'm sure that you probably didn't read this list in your quiet time this last week, the list of these names, but there's, uh, there's a couple that stand out that I want you to see. That, now, by the way, there are 32 names listed. There are 37 names in all which make up the mighty men. Okay, and the very first one that you want to see is in verse twenty four, and his name is Ashel. Notice Ashel, the brother of Joab, was among the thirty. You remember a while ago I said David's sister had three sons, Ashel, Abishai, and Joab. Ashel could run so fast that they said he could outrun a horse. He got killed early in the book, if you remember. But he was a mighty man. And it says, Ashiel, the brother of Joab, was among the 30. He's one of the 30. Now, if you look down the list, you'll just see names. But I want you to look at the very last name in the list. Uriah the Hittite, 37 in all. Who was Uriah? Uriah was a mighty man. He was one of David's men. You remember, he was the husband of Bathsheba. He got killed in that battle. He's listed last. There's a reason. He's not listed last because he was last. He's listed last so he would stand out. Ashiel is listed first so he would stand out. And Uriah was listed last so he would stand out because they were great people. And if David listed this list, David on purpose put Uriah at the end, not because he was last, but because he would stand out to show that he was a great man. So there's your list. Now here's a question. Is anybody left out? Is anybody that you've heard of throughout this book who's great fighters, and they're not listed at all. You know who's not there? Joab is not there. Joab is David's general. Joab is a man that killed a lot of people. Joab is a great warrior, but Joab is also bad. Joab's not a man of character. Joab murdered at least two people that we watched as we studied the book. And he's not listed in the mighty men. Some people say, well, he's not listed because everybody knew he was already in there. No. Everybody probably felt Abishai was already in there. Everybody felt that Ashel was already in there. Everybody, you know, no, he's just not listed because he's not a man of character. Three great men, three unnamed men, which could be the same as the three great men, two leaders and the thirty men, men of loyalty and service. That's what we've seen. Powerful, powerful truth. Now, let me stop. And let's raise this question. Are we fighting the fight and running the race? These were soldiers for Christ. We're soldiers for Christ. Ephesians talks about it. Second Timothy says we need to suffer as a soldier. We need to stand strong. And every one of us in this room are in a spiritual battle. We're in a fallen world, and we got to stand strong. We got to put on the armor of God and stand strong. Now, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to stop for a minute, and I'm going to talk to men for a second, because the men are the warriors. Men need something to stand for. Men need something to fight for. We got a culture that's so mixed up. Men want to be women. Women want to be men. Men don't know what they're supposed to do. There's nobody that stands for anything. And if anybody's gonna stand, it's gonna be our men. And you've got to stand and you've got to do it. And we got to defend our families. The man is the head of the home. He is the spiritual leader. He is the emotional and and, uh, the provider protector. And I know that's against the culture, but I don't care what's against the culture. I care what's in the scripture. Men, we got to stand strong in our families. We got to stand for God. We must know the word of God. That's why men, you got to study it. You've got to know it. You got to lead your families. You've got to stand strong. And then finally, you got to be men of character because we got to be lights in the midst of a crooked and fallen world. And I'm doing that for the men. Now, women, you got to stand strong too, and you got to know the Bible, you got to live it out, and you got to make a difference. But men, we live in a culture which men have become weak, and you can't even try to tell the difference anymore between who's who's supposed to do what, and our men have to stand strong. Let me give you some applications. Let's be faithful servants of Jesus Christ. You saw a bunch of faithful men that stood with David. Let's be faithful men and women. Let's offer up the sacrifice of good works. Let's do it. Let's pour out our lives. Let's, let's uh, As Titus 3.8 says, do good works. As Ephesians 2.10 says, we're created in God in Christ Jesus for good works. We're supposed to live our lives to do the good things for Jesus Christ. Live, or, live our lives for him. Second, let's stand strong for Christ. And I put the men out there because I want the men to be the leaders in this. And let me just tell you, our, our church is unique. You look around this room, there's as many men here as there are women. You may say, so, 70% of the church in the United States is women, 70%. Where are the men? We got a bunch of them right here, let me tell you. And they'll stand for Jesus Christ too. I guarantee you they will. I've watched them already. We got to do it because nobody else is. So stand for Jesus Christ. Be strong. Let's be faithful to obey the Bible. That's the, that's the thing. That's the key. First Corinthians four two. Moreover, brethren, is required of stewards to be found faithful. That's both men and women. The second application is let's remember God. Let's remember that God is the one that gives the victory. It is God's power through us. We're not going to stand in our power, men or women. We're not going to be able to make a difference for Christ in our power. But in God's power through us, the power of the Holy Spirit, just as these men, it says, and God used these men to bring about a great victory. The Lord brought about the great victories. He can bring about a great victory in our lives and that we can stand strong for Christ in a fallen world. So may we offer our lives to God and live as faithful servants, both men and women, so that we can hear him say, well done.